Bob and Suzanne. A chicken joke. I'm Mrs. Cleaver. From Television City in Hollywood. Boy, the way Glenn Miller plays. We can rebuild him. We have the technology. I know Baby, you're the great. Here comes the judge. Small cowbell. Snap basher. There's anything wrong with that. And now for something completely different. There's no Welcome to Where Hollywood Hides, podcast number 20. My name is Bob McCullough. My name is Suzanne. The Suzanne, like Lady Gaga, you just have one name now. I've decided to change it up. Cool. I like it. Hopefully I like people it. will know my last name by now. Uh, hopefully. All I have to do is listen to any other podcast or take a look at the website. That's right. Podcast 20. Okay. Here we are. Yay. Mother's Day is around the corner. I know. And I was going to ask to be taken to the Beverly Hills Hotel for brunch. Well, to the polo lounge or the coffee shop? Anywhere. All right. Even the coffee shop is yes, cool. Yes, yes. They have they have the best tuna sandwich on, on rye toast you've ever had in your life. As you know, second to the Biltmore, the Beverly Hills Hotel is my ultimate favorite place to be. But you know what I read in the news is uh, they're under a lot of fire and people actually protesting why? Uh, the Beverly Hills Hotel. Why? Well, well, first of all, do you know who owns the Hotel? I have no idea. Beverly Hills Some Hotel? Beverly Hills Corporation, maybe. No, it's the Sultan of Brunei. Whoa. I, I never knew that. I'm, I'm just is, shocked. Is he still the world's richest man? He's the fifth richest man. Oh, the fifth. According to Forbes. And his name is Hassani Bolkai. Is he in my Rolodex? I'll have to look. Apparently, recently, he has enshrined parts of the Sharia law over there. He's in the middle of Beverly Hills? No, 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 in his country. Uh-huh. And so it's called the Kill a Gay Laws and laws that allow the flogging of women for abortion. Nice. So, of course, all the feminists come out, and they basically say that they will never hold another fundraiser at the Beverly Hills Hotel, and that's the place to hold it. That's unless, a big deal. Unless he sells it. And also the activists for women's and gay groups have been raising the call to action and will protest at the Beverly Hills Hotel, and that was yesterday. It was a huge outpour of celebrities actually picketing. No kidding. And guess who was first and forefront, aside from the females and a lot of gay activists, was Jay Leno. Oh, really? Yeah, now we know what he's been doing. Oh, good for him. Well, you know, it's very political, you know. I'm not sure how I feel about this, except I don't, do don't not get, like the guy, Don't for get sure. me started on foreign ownership of American companies. Don't, don't Let's not go there. Right. You don't think it not should be cool. allowed. Not cool. Not at all. Not, right. I think to own the Beverly Hills Hotel, you should have to live in Beverly Hills. That's how ethnocentric I am. So I guess it's going to be a while until we go to the Beverly Hills Hotel. Yeah, I'm not sure I want to brave a picket line where Jay Leno's marching around. No, a lot of people showed up. That's great. So we shall see. So Hollywood activism at its best. That's right. Yeah. And so you better think about where we're going to go for Mother's Day. Oh, okay. Okay. San Ysidro Ranch is my vote. Sounds good to me. Hollywood hiding out for sure. Hey, we know that everybody likes to shop, but everybody hates driving down to the mall to see if they have it in stock, right? So we know that smart shopping today starts online and that Amazon.com is the one-stop site that has, well, whatever you need, they have it. School supplies, clothing, shoes, toys, video games, DVDs of the shows we've worked on, the books we reference, the CDs, Ross Borden CDs, musical instruments, power tools, sporting goods, computer stuff, electronics. Look, I could go on, but you get the idea. And the best way to shop Amazon, go to our website at wherehollywoodhides.com, click on any one of the Amazon banners, and you'll be taken to the heart of it all. And when you buy something through the website, 
you'll be supporting the podcast. So give it a shot. Amazon service from selection to delivery to returns is really beyond belief. And I would love your comments on our website about your shopping experience. Do you remember about 10 years ago what you said about reality television? Yeah, I said, this is stupid. It's never going to last. Mark my words. And 15 years later, what's going on? It's Well, do you remember watching, as a matter of fact, it's one of your favorite shows when you do get a chance to watch it, Naked and Afraid? I love it. Do you want to explain to the audience, those who don't watch that? Well, Naked and Afraid is uh, they drop a couple of people off in some remote, really dangerous jungle or desert or mountaintop with no clothes. And it's a male and female, which is pretty interesting. And I think they give them one tool. You can have like a rubber band or a knife, or a compass, or a pair of scissors, or they get one article from the civilized world, and that's about it. And they have to find food and, and water and shelter. Yeah, and most of them can't do much of any of that. Well, but, And they kind of almost starve to death before something good happens. I find it very stressful to watch. But oh, that's big me time. Personally. Oh, yeah, well, that's called drama, I guess. You know. And I guess it's the voyeurism in people. Anyway, that it has become such a hit that the cable broadcasting programming executives, they are being flooded with pitches for naked dating shows now. Whoa. And apparently... On the first date? So the search for the true love and what happens when they throw away their inhibitions is the theme of these naked dating shows. What channel is this on? I need to find this out. Well, it's out. cable. So it's okay. going to be on many channels, apparently. My big question for you is, 30 years ago, you were king of the dating game. Remember that? Right. I was on the dating game right. five times. What if in your heyday, when you're gorgeous and a great body, not that you don't have it now, but... I had a six-pack. Okay. What if the condition for the dating game was going to be you are naked? Would you do it? And, of course, they would cover your private part, kind of. You know how they do on TV. Would, would I personally do it? Do would it? you personally do it? Mm, that's a tough question. 30 years ago, you know what I, think? I, I might have, you know what I think? but I tend to think it's a little scary. You know what I think? What? I think you would. Well, and I'll tell you why. Why? Do you remember a long time ago? Wait, wait, where are we going with this? Before we got married? Yeah. And we went over to some friend's house. Oh, the jacuzzi Excuse story. Excuse me. Okay. Yes, yes. And we, that's right. I keep laughing. You're right. turning red. All right, all we right. walked into the house and everybody was in the backyard. Yeah. In the jacuzzi, naked. Okay. And you took off your clothes and you were naked in the jacuzzi. Well, this was the 70s or something, so... Times were different. And I was sitting there like a prude. Fully clothed. Fully clothed. The little nun. That's right. And there was nothing they could do to talk me into being naked. And boy, they tried. Yeah. They tried. So I don't think I would be doing this. Even no, at oh, my, I'm, I'm sure you wouldn't. Right. Even at looking my best. I'm sure you would never there have done There is just this. no way. So right. this is curious to me how we have evolved. Reality television is just pushing the limits constantly. They're just looking for that audience all the time, and I think, uh, excuse the expression, titillation is part of it. Yeah, it's very interesting what our kids are, for lack of a better word, being exposed to. They don't think it's That's negative. That's the perfect word. <laughs> exactly. Right? They don't think it's negative. I'm not sure where the limit to all of this is, but at a po certain point in time, you get kind of numb to all this kind of stuff, don't you? So us baby boomers, we're going to sit back and... And be aghast at what's going on. <laughs> That's right. All the guys are going to love it, I have a feeling. Uh, maybe, maybe. So, 
We're very excited because we have interviewed one of our good friends, Roz Borden. Today's who, podcast is that interview. That's we, right. we had lunch with him in a kind of a hideaway don't, of ours. Don't, don't give it away. A little don't bit of a hideaway away. in Santa Barbara. It, it used to be uh, our very private place that nobody went to, and the food was awesome. It still is. And you told a couple of people about it, and suddenly we walk in there and we've, we see four or five people we know and 200 other people. Well, my mistake was we were trying to be social, so I invited a couple or two, and they loved it. And then they invited a couple or two, and now at least... It spread like the flu, and now everybody's at this place. So we have to find a new place. So so we want to apologize for some of the audio in today's podcast interview of Ross You know, Ross we're Gordon. always apologizing. Well, well, but this is in a public place, and we thought it would be nice and quiet, and and of course, it was filled with people we knew and waiters and waitresses. And you'll hear the cooks in the background. And Don't you think it's it's going to be fun interviewing somebody at a different restaurant every single time? And I think we'd be more than happy to mention the restaurant, not just this one, though. Well, we're looking for that really quiet loser restaurant where there aren't any customers so we can get a nice, clear audio track. And we didn't get it this time. But you get you certainly get the sense that we're actually someplace real because we certainly were. And I, I just have to say, people will understand after they hear this podcast that every time I see false eyelashes, I will always think of Ross Borden. So with that, here's Ross Borden. So here we are in Santa Barbara at our secret place. At our secret place, and we will not tell the name of this place because it's already too busy, <laughs> and we like to keep it to ourselves. But there are places in Santa Barbara that are distinctive and local. We're with Ross Borden, a longtime friend, a well-known actor, singer, entrepreneur, and Ross, thanks for joining us this morning. My pleasure. We're interested in knowing everything about you that you care to share. One of the things that I think is unique about you is that you do come from a real show business family, don't you? Yes, I do. So tell us a little bit about your parents and what what they were about. My, my mom and dad were a comedy dance team. The Bordens, the utmost, the nutmost in dancing. The nutmost in dancing. That's what's <laughs> Love that. And uh, they met on a vaudeville, in a vaudeville show that in one of the state fairs. My dad was working with a man named Jimmy Mack, who's a, who's a comic and buffer. And my mother was working with her two sisters, the so, Wagner sisters. So, so I'm too young to know much about vaudeville. Vaudeville was what just a series of nightclubs in the Poconos or something? Nightclubs, theaters, and and state fairs. All live entertainment. Yeah, all live. This act was on the bill with Jimmy Mack called Mack and Gordon. So they got married and they they formed a, a new act. My dad had researched this for this comedy dance team. And so and, so was your dad the comic and yeah and your mom the dancer kind of thing? No, they both danced. But my dad was a comic and my mother was sort of a straight, straight person. So can I ask the year, what year we're talking about? Probably 1930. So is this when Burns and Allen were popular? Yeah, it was. So they started traveling and working and my dad had all these connections. So when did you come around and where, and where were you born? I was born in Detroit, Michigan. On the road? <laughs> yeah, in a trunk. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. So they put me in a... Catholic boarding school. Okay. And I was there for kindergarten and first grade. My father was Jewish. My grandfather lived with him, lived with my mom and dad. And so I came home and one day I was counting my beads and this and that. My, right. my, and my, my grandfather said, that's as it is. And so you're being a nice little Catholic boy. Yeah. Right, right. So I didn't last much longer in, in, <laughs> in, the, in, the, in, the, 
Catholic Those school. beads were called rosary. Yeah, <laughs> right. And Grandpa put an end to that. Yes. Right. But eventually they took me out of school, and I just was with them wherever they went. They'd stay a little longer in, in each place, you know, Cleveland, Chicago, down to Miami. Philadelphia Athletics were, had their spring training. They would come in, the players would come into the club that my parents were working at. Right. And they had me out at the, at the field, and I became sort of a, an honorary bad boy. I got a great picture with Connie Mack, who was the, the manager at the time. Sure, wow. sure. So. so were you the only child? Yes, I was. So yeah. you were actually raised on the road, to I a degree. I was raised on the road. I mean, your childhood years. Yeah. So did you ever wind up on stage as a child with yes, your parents? Yes, I did. They booked me in as a, as a separate act. Doing what? I Singing and playing accordion. So you learned to sing as a kid? Yeah. You must have been a really cute kid. I guess. I, yeah. I'm not sure. <laughs> With those eyes, I'm but sure you were great. It was, it was fun. My dad would book, like they'd do a club date and say get 150 bucks for it. And they'd, they'd talk the agent into putting me in the show for 25 bucks. Sure, a little extra coin. That was yeah. a lot of money in those days. Yeah, well, for well, sure. So, so as a kid on stage, playing the accordion, singing, hanging out with your parents, and around a lot of adults, no doubt. A lot of strippers. Well, I, you, did you feel different and special? And I, mean, I felt very different. Did you know you weren't like the average kid? Yeah. At the playground? Yeah, I sure did. My mother taught me how to make false eyelashes, and so. Oh, I'd like to know that. I would sit in the dressing room and make these false eyelashes and sell them to the strippers and the dancers. The dancers and so, how, do you remember, how do you make false eyelashes? You take two pins and you stick them in a cork and you have a thread going uh -huh. from one to the other. And then you take hair off of a wig and you one by one tie the hair onto oh, the real oh hair. Yeah. Wow, you that's to, custom. You, you had to be a child to have eye, eyesight like that to be able to do yeah. that. It was crazy. So you're a young boy, yeah. you're what, 10? 15 years old, and you're on stage playing the accordion Actually, I was on stage doing that when I was eight and nine. I actually took up the accordion because in Catholic school, I, they learned, taught us piano. Right. And we lived in a house trailer. My dad had a 23-foot house trailer. I had the bedroom in the back, and my mother and father slept on the couch, which made it into a bed. And no room for a piano? No room at all. Right. So, uh, so, so did you enjoy performing? I loved it. Oh, yeah, so really you did. you got bitten really early by really, that bug. Really early. Tell me about high school years. Were you still performing? When I was 15, we were living in Detroit. My mother and father got divorced, and so I moved to uh, to Los Angeles with my dad. I was in all the plays and shows put on, you know. Right, talent shows, musicals, yeah. all yeah. that stuff. So you, you kept on performing. Yeah, but really all I ever wanted to do was, my, my plan was to go to New York try to get in the actor's studio and uh, study act. Either stay there and work as an actor or come out to LA and work as an actor. Is this the point that you started thinking about dental school? Yes, make a living. Right. And so uh, so, so did, did you always have an aptitude for the sciences? Did you know yeah, that? Yeah, I did. And why dentistry? Did you just love teeth or? I was very artistic. Oh yes, the fake eyelashes, I forgot. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and I... I like doing things with my hands, and it was a, it was my only. Well, it's a good alternative. option. You want to make money, yeah. be a dentist. Yeah. yeah, I wound up getting into USC Dental School. So what? So you're doing theater arts in high school, yeah. and your grades are good enough to get into dental school. You must have been something else. But I had started working as an actor. 
I had the uh, I had the band on the Catalina steamship. Oh, really? Yeah, for three years. I had uh, I worked Friday night, Saturday, Saturday night, and Sunday. You know, I don't know if you remember, but they had this big steamship. I would go over to Catalina, stay there for two hours, and then come back. I had a, a bass player. He had a friend named Polly Palafroni who was a sax player. He said, you know, my wife's a casting director. He said, I'll get, you know, I'll get you in to meet her. She's casting two things. She's casting Divorce Court and General Hospital. So let me guess, she took one look at you and probably thought, oh my God, he is so gorgeous. He's perfect material for anything. You know, I don't know. <laughs> so I got into the after. So it helps to know people. Yeah, sure. But that yeah. never changes, it's who you know. So you're like in your 20s, right? Yeah. Early 20s. Yeah. Did the staff at the dental school know you're doing acting on the side? Yeah. But you graduated and became a dentist. Yep. When Bob and I first moved to Santa Barbara, before I met you, I remember seeing your picture in the paper. In the magazine? You, yes. had, ad, you had ads and everything. Yeah. As a dentist, and I said to Bob, wow, the dentists are really good looking in this town. <laughs> well, I graduated from dental school in 1964. Uh -huh. I got an agent, a commercial agent. They got me a theatrical agent. And I started going out on on interviews, I had a I had a composite. So Why, while you're practicing dentistry? Yeah, I would close my office in the afternoon to go down for uh, interviews. The acting, singing dentist. It was fun. I loved it. So, were you in SAG at this point? I was in after. I got this agent named Tom Jennings. He was a casting director of Kung Fu, and I had an interview with him, and he cast me Kung Fu with uh, the David Carradine yeah, show. Yeah, David Carradine. Mm -hmm. And uh, I had a nice little juicy part, uh -huh. and I joined set. It was a one-day part. They gave me three hundred dollars for the day, uh -huh. and I had a, a fight with David Carradine. It was it was so much fun. And one of the things I got to do, which I really enjoyed, really, I met. So, <laughs> kung, so, so kung fu was your first legit yep. acting thing on film. For, well, on film, I had I had done a lot of a lot of after things. I did Young and the Restless and uh, all the the soaps, all general, everything yeah. on videotape. Yeah, I think I mean the distinction we want to make is after is the American Federation of Television and Radio Artists. Mm -hmm. There was a real distinction back in those days. The people now, people now. who shot on film and people who shot on tape. Yeah, now it's now pretty it's much all joined together. Yeah. yeah, now it's the same. Yeah. So so Ross, did you find that working on soap operas was a good training ground? Mm -hmm. Because they say that's what it is, because you have a script and a story every day. Yeah, it was great. It was so funny because they didn't make several takes. You just, like on General Hospital, they just went from, it was a half hour show at the time. Roy Thinnis, remember him? Sure. He was the main heartthrob. Uh -huh. I just played an intern that was constantly getting into trouble, right. trying to make it with the nurses and stuff. But soap operas, they don't cut, they just keep no. going. Yeah, but they, they do now. But yeah, they, they yeah. Didn't in those days it was kind of live. So I wanted to ask you, what was? Do you remember what David Carradine was like to work with? It was terrible. <laughs> in and what somehow way? Somehow we found out I was a dentist, and he hated dentists in general. <laughs> that's a, you know, that's true. Most people do. Yeah, and oh my God, you know, and I had this scene with him where I was oh. to throw a punch, and he grabbed me here and ripped me right. up. And he didn't like the way I was throwing a punch. Right. And so, because and at this point, when he goes like this, they brought a stuntman in. 
throw him across the room. And he really believed his own BS about karate and kung fu. I mean, he, he really thought he was the kung fu he master. He was the king. Yeah, he didn't understand that he was an actor. And he, uh, he was not very nice. I'll tell you another funny story. I did a commercial for Ivory Soap. I played the, his boyfriend of Jacqueline Bissett. She was him. so beautiful. And she was a smoker like you would never believe. She, really? She didn't, she had this thing. We were, did it at the airport. And why I start my dialogue with her, she didn't want anybody to look at her. Nobody could look at her. Oh, the diva. Until, until the director said. I heard that about Diana Ross, too. Did you? Yeah. I played, I played golf with Barry Gordy at in Las Vegas, uh -huh. and Diana Ross was riding in her golf cart. Yeah, she seemed very nice that day. Do you mind if you made eye contact? No. <laughs> you know, uh, many times, in all fairness, a lot of actors sometimes prepare that way. They try and mentally get into mm -hmm. the character. Some get into it pretty easily. And some have their own meth crazy method. Yes, don't make eye contact with me today. Okay. <laughs> I'm trying to get into my space. I can talk to you like this. That's, That's right. right. So what, what what was your of the of all the television work you've done, and you've done a you've been on a number of oh, shows. You have been in Mike Hammer, mm -hmm. Nightstand, a thing called Dutch, Jake and the Fat Man, and Falcon Crest. Simon and Simon. Simon and Simon. T.J. Hooker. Mm -hmm. I did three TJ Hooks. Soap, the TV series. Yeah. Chips, Mrs. Columbo, Hawaii Five O, BJ. And a couple of these shows I worked on. BJ and the Bear. You Quince worked on BJ and the Bear. Yeah, I was executive story editor. BJ and yeah, the Bear. Right. That was one of Bob's first. That was my first real, real job. Real job. And uh, you were in Switch. Yeah. So of all those shows, what was what was the best experience for you? as an actor? I think it was Switch. I did two of those. That was Wagner, right? He was the nicest of anybody that I worked with. He was and is a major, major yeah. star. No, who goes it? back to the 50s. So Switch was a good show for you. That was at Universal, I think, wasn't it? Yeah. During its heyday. I did a lot of stuff at Universal. Well, no. Universal was doing a lot of stuff. Yeah. yeah. That's where Bob and I met, was at Universal. And was and that where BJ and the Bear was? Yeah. So describe for us what a day is like when you're a guest actor on a television series. Did, do you get the script well in advance? Yeah, yeah. I did three Falcon Crests, and a couple of them, I had a lot of dialogue. And yeah. you played a doctor on Falcon Crest. Yeah, I was were a doctor, you the doctor each time. Each time. So, yeah. so do you think you were typecast as a doctor because people knew you were a doctor? No, no. I don't. Usually there was there wasn't much of a of an admiration for a dentist. As a guest actor on these TV series at Universal. You walk through the studio gate at what time? Give me an idea what the day is like as a guest actor. For uh, people that aren't in the business. I had to, you know, be there at a certain time, and I always, I was always on time. And I had the, my part memorized, except for one time. I did a movie called The Time Traveler. For some reason, I, I could not remember my lines. They had wanted to cast Tom Selleck in, in, this, in this part, and I guess he didn't. Take. I just had the darndest time remembering my lines, and that, and that director wouldn't even consider me again. Oh, really? His name was Ale Alexander Singer. Sure. You remember him? I remember him. He was yeah. a tough guy. Yeah, he was a it hard was case. So, I just, he said, yelling at me, and that not exactly more, conducive to remembering anything. The more he yelled, the more I forgot. So, you interviewed for all these parts, like an audition, right? Most of the time. Most of the Occasionally time. Occasionally, I'd get cast. Because uh -huh. uh, the director that really liked me the most, his name was Reza Badid. Reza was a nice guy. He was great. Yeah. He would cast me. <laughs> you know, he, you know, he'd 
say you want to do this, and I say sure. You, you mentioned Reza Badi, who was one of my favorite guys, because I had started working with him when I very first got in the business on Mission Impossible. So did, is he the one that brought you to Falcon Crest? Yeah, he, he did. I'd worked for him several times. So what do you think his his gift was? What what do you, what made him one of your favorite directors? He was just so nice to me. He would very calmly explain character. In those days, did directors on these episodic series, did they give you line readings? Did they tell you how you, they wanted you to, to perform the part? Actually, we would go through. We'd have we'd have run-throughs. If they liked what everybody did, they'd say, shoot it. And before we go on, I want to remind everybody listening to us that Amazon.com is not only the world's biggest shopping mall, and it's even easier when you go to our website or HollywoodHides.com because you'll see direct links to DVDs, books, CDs, music downloads, and all the memorabilia of all the shows and celebrities that we talk about here at the best possible prices anywhere. I can't tell you how many amazing things we found here and that we can't find anywhere else. Anyway, just go to wherehollywoodhides.com and click on any of the podcast links and Amazon banners you see on any of the pages, and you'll be supporting these podcasts and saving yourself some serious money and hassle. You managed to have this acting career and be in all these shows while living out of town, really. Mm -hmm. You're really not a Hollywood guy. No. But you maintain those, those contacts. Well, how long did you practice dentistry before you gave it up? About 29 years. It's a long time. And when you, when you closed your practice, did you go to acting and performing full-time? Yeah. At the time, I was studying with Michael Gaswell. Mm -hmm. And uh, I'd go down two days a week. The guy who was in The Godfather. Yeah, won an Academy Award nomination. I was one of the only non-Italian guys that were in that class. It was a fun class. You know. I'll bet. Michael Gazza was a real character. I was doing this scene one time with this girl. It was from Butterflies Are Free. I was playing this line guy. I, I had this part where I was to, to kiss her, and, and he, he leaned up you know, while I was talking to him. And he said, grab her tits. And I tried to avoid <laughs> listening to him. And he nearly yelled at me, do it, do that in real life. And so <laughs> That's kind of method, isn't it? Oh, yeah. yeah. Now yeah. it's called sexual harassment. Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. It was, He'd get arrested now. <laughs> I, know. I, I, loved, uh, I loved that acting class. So, so you've never really stopped studying acting? Never. In your entire life? No. So tell me something about your musical ambitions and your career, because I know you've put out a CD. I know you've done a, a, a lot of cabaret stuff. Yeah. And we actually went to one of your shows. At the Libero. You yes, went to Libero. Yes, it was yeah. fabulous your mom show. Was in the yes, yeah. you were uh, you were nice enough to dedicate uh, yeah. Living the Vida Loca. Yeah. Yeah. I met Peter Clark. Peter Clark is probably the most artistically talented person I've ever met. Painting, drawing, arranging, plays great piano and guitar. And uh, he and I became friends, and he, he produced my second album. Are, are, your, are your CDs still available? Yes. Yeah. We'll, we'll put that up on our website so yeah, people, can, yeah. people can take a look. We're going to do another one, and because my nickname is Freddie B. We're going to call it the best of Freddie B. Cool. And uh, just taking things that I had had on the other albums. So do you still play the piano? Play accordion. Play the accordion. Yes, that's even more difficult, isn't it? I mean, I don't, I don't know. I don't uh, know much about the accordion, but it's got a lot of buttons. It's just buttons on the left hand. When when I was a senior in dental school, and I went, I auditioned for a, a man named Lloyd Lindroth, who was a harpist, 
and I went into his band to traveling for that summer. And when we were in Seattle working, my accordion became non-functional. Those were the days where, you know, they had several acts in lounges and they would alternate. So the other accordion player said, take it to Joe Potosa and he'll fix it. And so Joe Potosa and I became very close friends. And he fixed my accordion because he had given me a brand new accordion to play. <laughs> he said, you like this accordion? And I said, yeah, I love it. He said, keep it. Oh, how nice. Yeah. He wow. said, pay me when you can. First thing I did when I got in the Air Force was start paying him off. That and, was uh, nice. Yeah, and we remained very close friends. If you could pick, and maybe you can't, between um, acting and singing, do you have a favorite? Yeah, I'd rather be an actor. A true actor. Yeah. So let me ask you this question, because a lot of the people who uh, listen to our podcast at wherehollywoodhides.com are interested in the business, interested in getting into the business, mm -hmm. but don't really have a clue. If you were just starting out today, if you were Freddie B. Ross Borden and you're 22 years old coming out of school and you wanted to get into the acting scene, what advice do you have? First thing i do would be to go see all the casting directors on the soaps. It's much easier to get into after it than SAG. Once you're in AFTRA, you can join SAG. Then you have a much better chance of getting interviews if you're already in SAG. And, and why the soaps? Because they were so easy to, to meet the casting directors. I met a casting director named Marvin Page, remember him? Uh -huh. And uh, he took over for Pam Palafroni on General Hospital. And he would bring me in to read for and then test for running parts on General Hospital. If I didn't get the part, he'd give me an, another nice day part. And I guess the soaps, they use a lot of characters, so they have a constant ongoing demand for actors yeah. and fresh faces. And what about the music business? What advice would you give for somebody who's looking to break into live performing, which you've done a lot of, mm -hmm. as risky as music is in terms of a career, yeah. you at least have to start somewhere. Boy, that's a tough question. Sure. Things have changed a if, lot, haven't they? If one of your kids said, Dad, I want to be a singer, what would you say? I'd say go for it. You know, go to college into a performing arts school and, and keep uh, working at it. And how important were personal connections to you in your acting and Pretty music career? Pretty important. Yeah. If you had stayed in Detroit, would you have ever made anything? No, I don't believe so. I don't think it's possible. So, so if you're a young person today and you're living in Denver and you want to be an actor, <laughs> can you do it out of Denver? I would guess that you could do it anywhere. Just to get, I would get in an acting class, do scenes. There's a lot of really good acting teachers. As long as you keep doing it, eventually you're going to get an interview for something that you'll get. Well, that's a great you tip. have an agent. That's a great tip. I mean, you're a, I think you're a living example of persistence will out. You, you get distracted by a dental career for 20, how many years? 29 years. 29 years as a dentist, and you came back to the whole performing world. Yeah. Because that's what really motivated you. And you're still doing it. Are you still writing? A little bit. You know, I'll be in the middle of something and I'll think of a, an idea for a song. And I excuse myself to go to the bathroom and I go into my office and I write down the key lines that, of, this, of the song. And then I'd come back to it later. So, so you, you grab the, uh, the muse wherever it shows up? Wherever it shows up. Do you have any projects coming up? Is, tell us a little bit more about the CD. Uh, the next thing you're going to record. We're just going to record so Freddie B. So when, when can we look forward to having that? Probably in after six months. Is that how long it takes to put out a CD? Six well, months? Well, we've got to do, have all of the artwork done, and I've got to write the biography uh -huh. complete. I, I'm guessing. Anyway. So, so will you record that here in Santa Barbara? 
Yes, we're going to do it at Peter's uh, Peter's studio. When you're when when you're singing, are you focused more on the melody or the emotion? Well, I try very hard to tell a story. I find that I sing better if I'm doing that. You know, I'm not thinking about am I going to be flat or you know sharp. Right. I, it just comes out better if you if you're really sincerely telling a story. It does for me. I've always wondered how. That's acting, you know. That's yeah, yeah. acting. Yeah. I've always wondered how singers remember all the lyrics, because if you're doing a repertoire, that's a lot of stuff to have yeah. inside. So now, since we're going to do a Barbara Walters special here, let's do this. Ross, what is your favorite older actor? I think Bruce Dern. Bruce Dern. And yeah. what about your favorite actress? Angelina Jolie. Okay. There's, he's just—I think he's so fabulous. You know? Well, then you must have really liked the last movie he was in. Yeah, Nebraska. Yeah, because a friend of ours was in it too. Uh, a Will Forte is his name. Oh he yes, played his son. Yeah. Tell me about the casting couch. <laughs> the casting couch—it never affected the men as nearly as much as it did the women. But you were a good-looking guy, and most casting directors are female. Well, you know, I don't think that I was considered a good-looking guy in those days. I think there were so many guys, so many young actors that were so much better looking. Like who? I saw Robert I've Wagner. I've seen pictures of you when you were much younger. Uh, you. It was different, wasn't you it? You were gorgeous. <laughs> you still are gorgeous. Mr. Light Eyes. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think, I think light, light Eyes and Perfect Teeth. I think you're very humble. So you were never the, uh, the victim of the casting couch in reverse yeah. or anything? Well, you know, one time Marvin Page had cast me on a, on a couple of things, and he was bringing me in for General Hospital all the time. And he called me one day, said, will you pick me up? I need to go over to the set. I'm doing a movie with David Jansen. So we're, we're driving along. There was a girl in the next car. And I said, wow, look at that, Marvin. Marvin said something to me that was sort of uh, a guy thing. And uh, I said, Marvin, you know, you've known me for so long. Don't you know that by now that I'm screaming heterosexual? Oh, <laughs> and, he, oh. and he never. So you got hit on a little bit. Oh, yeah, just oh. a little bit. So here's a quick question for you. One word, how would you sum up in one word your ambition? Passionate. Passionate. That's Ross Borden. Well, Ross, go. thank you for doing this interview. We've known you and Debbie for long a long time. And long uh, time. you guys are great. You're the perfect Hollywood couple. Hollywood <laughs> couple. All right, man. Good All work. Right. Good work. And that closes out our lunch with Ross Borden. On our way out, here's a little snippet of his music from one of his three CDs, all available on our website at wherehollywoodhides.com. And thanks again to Chance McCullough for his bumper music. Well, I never felt more like singing the blues Cause I never thought that I'd ever lose your love, dear Why'd you do me this way? Well, I never felt more like crying all night Cause everything's wrong and nothing ain't right without you You got me singing 
should I go? Cause I couldn't stay without you. You got me singing.